0: Hi and welcome to this latest episode from 1914 to 1918 war.com. In this episode we'll be continuing our reading of Bruce Benn's father's bullets and billets we're up to chapter 27. I'll uh, nag you about joining the substack again at 19141918.substack.com. Here you'll get any extra articles I write Um, and you can follow along on Twitter at WW1, The Great War. Anyway, thanks for listening. Let's get on with chapter 27. Everything you hold for a file is a state. You a with day. Then you think the old Christian that of man that you're from Chapter 27, Getting Fit, Caricaturing the Curé, Dirty Work Ahead, A Projected Attack, Unlooked-for Orders Military life during our ten days was to consist of getting into good training again in all departments, After long spells in trench life, troops get very much out of strong, efficient marching capabilities, and are also apt to get slack all round. These rests, therefore, come periodically to all at the front, and are, as it were, tonics. If men stayed long enough in trenches, I should say, from my studies in evolution, that their legs would slowly merge into one sort of fin-like tail, and their arms into seal-like flappers. In fact, time would convert them into intelligent sea lions and render them completely in harmony with their natural life. Our tonic began by being taken one dose after meals, twice daily. In the morning, the battalion generally went for a long route march and in the afternoon practised military training of various kinds in the fields about the village. My whole time was occupied with machine gun training. Morning and afternoon, I and my sections went off out into the country and, selecting a good variegated bit of land, proceeded to go through every phase of machine gun warfare. We practised the use of these weapons in woods, open fields, along hedges, etc. It was an interesting job. We used to decide on some section of ground with an object to be attacked in the distance and approached it in all kinds of ways. Competitions would follow between the different sections The days were all bright, warm and sunny, so life and work out in the fields and roads there was quite pleasant. Each evening we assembled in our cheerful billet, and thus our rest went on. My sketching now broke out like a rash. I drew a great many sketches. I joked in pencil for everyone, including Suzette, Bertha and Martha. I'm sorry to say I plead guilty to having cast a certain amount of ridicule at the curé. He was so splendidly austere, and wore such funny clothes that I couldn't help perpetrating several sketches of him. The disloyalty of his parishioners was very marked in the way they laughed at these drawings, which were pinned up in a row of cottages. Sometimes I would let him off for a day, and then he would come drifting past the window again with his dante face, surmounted by a large, curly, faded black hat, and I gave way to temptation again. He didn't like soldiers being billeted in his village, so Suzette told me. I think he got this outlook from his rather painful experiences when the Germans were in the same village prior to being driven north. They had locked him up in his own cellar for four or five days after removing his best wine, which they drank upstairs. This sort of thing does tend to give one a bitter outlook. He preached a sermon whilst we were there. I didn't hear it, but was told about it simultaneously by Suzette, Bertha and Martha, who informed me that it was directed against soldiery in general. His text had apparently been, Do not trust them, gentle ladies. A gross libel. I retaliated immediately by drawing a picture of him with a girl sitting on each knee, singing... The soldiers are going hurrah hurrah, tune, the Campbells are coming. I'm afraid I was rather a canker in his village. One day, my dear old friend turned up, the same who accompanied me on leave to England. He didn't know we were having our rest and searched for me first behind Wolvergame. He there heard where we were and came on. He was rather a star in a military way and could therefore get a hold of a car now and again. I was delighted to see him, as it was possible for me to go into Balliol with him for the afternoon. We went off and had a real good time in the Fosse en We went out for a short drive round in the evening and then parted. He was obliged to get back to somewhere near Bethune that night. The next day I was just starting off on my machine gun work when an orderly arrived with a message for me. The colonel wanted to see me at headquarters. I went along and, arriving at his house, found all the company commanders, the second-in-command and the adjutant, already assembled there. Dirty work ahead, I thought to myself, and went into the colonel's room with the others. Enormous maps were produced, and we all stood and listened. We're going to make an attack, started the colonel. So I saw my conjecture wasn't far wrong. He explained the details to us all there and pointed out on the maps as many of the geographical features of the forthcoming show as he could. After which he told us that, that very afternoon, we were all to go on a motor bus that would come for us down to the allotted site for the scrap to have a look at the ground. This was news. If you like, a thunderbolt in the midst of our rural serenity At two o'clock the bus arrived and we, the chosen initiated few, rattled off down the main street of the village and away to the scene of operations. Where it was, I won't say cheers from censor, but it took us about an hour to get there. We left the motor bus well back and walked about a couple of miles up roads and communication trenches until we reached a line of trenches we had never seen before. A wonderful set of trenches they were, it seemed to us. Beautifully built, not much water about, and nice dugouts. The colonel conferred with several authorities who had the matter in hand, and then, pointing out the sector in front which affected us, told us all to study it to the best of our ability. I spent the time with a periscope and a pair of binoculars, drinking in the scene. It's difficult to get a good view of the intervening ground between opposing lines of trenches in the daytime when one's only means of doing so is through a periscope. Night is the time for this job, when you can go in front and walk about. This ground, which we had come to see, was completely flat and one had to put a periscope pretty high over the parapet to see the sort of thing it was. It was no place to put your head up and have a look. A bullet went smack into the colonel's periscope and knocked it out of his hand. However, with time and patience, we formed up a pretty accurate idea of the appearance of the country opposite. Behind the German trench was the remains of a village, a few of the houses of which were up to level with the Bosch front line. A great scene of wreckage. Every single house was broken and in a crumbling state. This was the place we had to take. Other regiments were to take other spots on the landscape on either side, but this particular spot was our objective. I stared long and earnestly at the wrecks in front and the intervening ground. About a 200-yard sprint, I thought to myself. We stayed in the trenches an hour or so, and then all went back to a spot a couple of miles away and had tea, after which we mounted the motorbus and and drove back home to our village. We had got something to think about now, all right. The coming show was the feature uppermost in our lives now. Everyone keen to get at it, as we all felt sure we could push the Bosch out of that place when the time came. We, the initiated few, had to keep our inside information to ourselves, and it was supposed to be a dark mystery to the rest of the battalion but I imagine that anyone who didn't guess what the idea was must have been pretty dense. When a motor bus comes and takes a group of officers for a day and brings them back at night, one would scarcely imagine that they had been to a cricket match or on the annual outing. Well, the tumbril, as we called it, arrived each day for nearly a week and we drove off gaily to the appointed spot and saturated ourselves in the characteristics of the land we were shortly to attack. In the mornings before we started, I took the machine gun sections out into the fields and by mapping out a similar landscape to the one we were going to attack, I rehearsed the coming tribulation as far as possible. My gunners were a pretty efficient lot and I was sure they would give a good account of themselves on de Tag. We practiced bolting across a ploughed field and coming into action until we could do it in record time. My sergeant and senior corporal were both excellent men. The whole battalion were now in excellent trim, and ready for anything that came along. A date had been fixed for the show, and now, day by day, we were rapidly approaching it. It was Friday, I remember, when, as we were all sitting in our billets, thinking that we were to leave on Sunday, a fresh thunderbolt arrived, A message was sent round to us all to stand to and be ready to move off that evening, before the appointed day. What could be up now? I was full of enthusiasm and curiosity, but was rather hampered by having been inoculated the day before and was feeling a bit quaint in consequence. However, I pulled myself together and set about collecting all the machine gunners, guns and accessories. We said goodbye to the fair ones at the billets, and by about five o'clock in the evening the whole battalion, transport and all, was lined up on the main road. We soon moved off. Why were we going before our time? Where were we going to? Nobody knew except the Colonel, but it was not long before we knew as well. That brings us to the end of chapter 27. A couple of historical notes quickly, Uh, a tumbrel is an open cart that tilted to empty out its load, so uh, an ironic name that they're giving to the motor bus there. And the inoculations that uh, Bruce Benn's father's talking about were probably typhoid or smallpox, uh, which were being routinely handed out to troops in the uh, First World War. I do hope you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, The next episode I think think is going to be about Scarpa Flow, which I trailed a long time ago and then realised I was getting out of step. So looking forward to getting that one out. Uh, Thanks for listening and goodbye.